Blog Talk Radio. Michael Gray. I'm an associate minister at Second Baptist Church where Pastor James Johnson is my pastor. This morning's uh, scriptures come from 1 Samuel 17, 32 37. And it reads, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistines. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistines to fight with him, for thou art be a youth, and and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear 
and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smoked him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose again against me, I caught him by his beard and smoked him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and there this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. He and he has defined the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paws of the lion and out of the paws of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hands of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And the title of my sermon this morning is, I'm Not Backing Down. Like David, there will be times in our lives that we will have to come face-to-face with, with our giants. As the story is told, two nations were at war, the Israelites and the Philistines. Now, the odds were against David because Goliath stood ten and a half feet tall. For 40 days, he called for challenges but no one come to fight Goliath because they were afraid. We have giants that we face today. We have problems and concerns that can feel like giants, health problems, financial problems, and marital problems can be like giants. Now, some of the things that we face are right in our faces, and it scares us to to think that we are going to have to deal with these things. And they become giants and we become afraid. We don't realize that God is with us when we deal with things. So we back down and we kind of move to the side and let these things overtake us. And we become worried and we become frustrated and we become annoyed by these things because we don't think that we are able to defeat them. These giants even come with nicknames like Visa, Discover, Mortgage, Cancer, Arthritis, AIDS. All these things are big. And when we see this stuff, it becomes a giant to us because we don't know the tactics for taking it down. We are powerless to handle. They stand in the valley intimidating us, scaring us, and putting fear in us. But on this morning, I have good news for you. The good news is that others have faced the same giants that we faced, and they walked away victorious because they realized that we have a champion in God. They have stood toe-to-toe with the giants of their lives and come out on top. Have you ever met a giant head on and said, no, not this time. You're not going to defeat me this time. I'm going to stand up on the word of God. I'm going to call on his name. I'm going to petition him to come and help me fight this battle. Because this battle is more than I, but it isn't more than the God that I serve. If we are to overcome the giants that we face, we must overcome 
discouragement. We can't get discouraged when we're going through. We can't get discouraged when things come up. We can't get discouraged when things don't look right. We have to depend on on the on the God that we serve, no matter what it looks like, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with. We have to realize that God is with us. He He's not gonna let us go in this thing alone. So there's no reason for us to get discouraged. If anything, we should be shouting for joy, shouting hallelujah, because we know if God is with us, he's more than the whole world against us. There will be people who will try to tell you, to convince you that you can't beat the odds. Sometimes the odds are much greater than we are. Sometimes the battle is uneven. Sometimes they have more men on their side than we do. But all we need is a good God, the God that we serve. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. As long as we have God, we're going to win. We're going to make it through. There will be, they will tell you that the giants are too great and you're too small. Well, if you can imagine David looking up at Goliath, he was standing 10 and a half feet tall. And I pictured David to be a man like me, not tall at all, but he sized him up. And he looked at him and he said to him that I can't do this thing alone, but with God with me, all things are possible. Do you believe this morning that all things are possible with God? While you are going through your battle, remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Somehow when you're going through the battle, somehow when you're down in the place, somehow when you're down in your last breath, God gives you the strength to keep fighting. He gives you the strength to keep going. He gives you the strength to keep pushing forward and not to give up because the battle ain't over. Remember that you're more than a conqueror, and you can overcome the giant problems that you face and the obstacles in the past. Sometimes God will make a way for you. He'll cut a path so you're able to go by. You get around that old that old devil. You get around that old obstacle that's in your way. We live in a world today where people think that they're lovers, not fighters. We live in a world today where people don't even fight anymore. They just give it all up with no concern at all. They let the devil have their way. They don't even go to God and pray and ask him to come and suck with them and come in there and take things and turn it in their favor. We just sit aside and let things happen. But we're so quick to tell others what we're going through, but we don't even tell God that we're going through a situation and if he doesn't show up on time, we're not going to make it. They don't. They won't fight for their marriages. They let them go. They don't think it's worth a fight. Well, sometimes when you put a lot in it, and you have a lot to lose, you fight. If you if you love one another, you fight for that marriage. You just don't walk away. 
They won't fight to keep drugs out of the community. We see it. We talk about it. But what are we doing about it? Do we get out on the street? Do we try to save the kids? Do we tell them that no drugs are going to be sold here? This is the home of the true and living God. We let the children run with the wrong crowd. We let the children do as they go and do as they please. Then once they get into trouble, then we try to correct them. Well, the thing of it is, if we would just put our foot down from the beginning and establish it, we wouldn't have this fight because we would already win. But we wait until they link up with the other enemies, and then they're much greater than we are. And we back down because we look at the odds and we see that there, there's a lot over there and there's only one me. But that's all you need is one you because once God is backing you, you that's all you're going to need. They won't fight for anything. It's time that we stand up and fight with our weapons from God. We need to pray a little bit more. Sometimes we pray, and we pray so quick that we get up and nothing has happened. Sometimes you have to stay there for a while. You have to keep going in the upper room. You have to keep falling down on your knees and asking God and praying to God, asking him to step in. A lot of times he doesn't move because we don't, we don't give him the right amount of prayer. A little prayer, we don't have much power. A whole lot of prayer, we have plenty of power. Praise. We don't give him the praise like we ought to. We always wait. We wait for somebody to tell us it's time to give him praise. You've got to praise God when you're going through the fight, when you're in the fight, when you're coming out of the fight. You've got to be able to give God some kind of praise and tell him, Lord, I thank you. Because if it had not been for you, I wouldn't have made it through. The devil had me down. He was right to step on my neck. He was about to crush me. And then you stepped in with all power in your hand, and you made them move off of me. And we have to use the word of God. We study the word of God all the time. The, God, the Bible says if we hide the word in our heart, then we can use it at a later time. How many, how many words do we have stored up that we never use? We don't even use the tactic. We are so scared to call on the name of Jesus and when you call on the name of Jesus, demons have to, demons will take flight. They have to move. The enemy that we're fighting won't move because we're not calling on the name of God. We're calling everything else, but we haven't called on the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every tongue shall, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He'll have the devil down on his knees begging you not to call on the name of Jesus this morning. So we wonder how did David muster up enough courage? We wonder sometimes, where did we get the courage? Where did that power come from that we were able to stand up and fight? David was able to face Goliath. It was by the hand of God. God's hand was moving all over David. David was more powerful than he knew. And the same power 
that God gave David, God will give you the power that will say that you are able to overcome, that you are able to endure, that you are able to ride out whatever the devil throws at you. If he throws some stuff at you he and you're still standing, he hasn't thrown enough, but you're ready. You're ready because God is with you. The devil can be the biggest giant that we face. Sometimes the giant is right there with us, and it's the devil. He feeds into our spirit. He feeds into our mind. He tells us that we can't do this. We can't do that. We're not able to do this. And what do we do? We fall victim. We fall victim to his word. And whatever he says, we believe. But this morning, I'm begging you to stand up and fight. I'm begging you to call on the name of the Lord. When the devil thinks that he has you, show him that he doesn't. Call, call on the name of the Lord and have him fight your battle. You don't have to fight. The Lord said, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Why are we waiting to, to give the enemy victory over us? But we have all the power that we need, but yet we don't call on it. We still pray to call on the name of the Lord. He becomes a distraction in our lives that we can't hear from God. When we're near God and we're doing what God has called us to do, and we, he begins to minister to our, to our mind and soul, distractions will come that he doesn't want you to get empowered. He doesn't want you to get enough confidence where you're able to stand up and fight on fight. He wants you to lay down like a carpet and let him walk right over top of you because he feels like you're scared of him. But I come this morning to let you know that the God you serve isn't going to let you lay down anymore. He's not going to let you let the devil take everything from you. He's not going to let the devil has his way. Oh, this morning you need to call on the name of the Lord. You need to call on the name. He makes the problem bigger than they really are. Sometimes, at times, the problem can be small, tedious, but we let the devil enlarge it on us. We let him think. We let him get to our mind because he makes the problem in our mind much bigger than it really is. And then we think that it's too big and we're probably right. It is too big for us to handle. But if we would give it over to God and watch him work, we don't have to say a whole lot. Just give it to him and watch him do his thing. The problem with us is we don't want us to give it to him. We want to fight in our flesh, and a lot of the battles that we're fighting in our flesh are only won by the Spirit. And all the time, we can't get to the Spirit because we're so distracted. But if we can give that thing to God and we sit back and watch him work it out, we must learn that when we're little, 
the monsters and the dogs scared us at times. But the God we sure delivered us from that. Remember when we were growing up and we used to be afraid of the dark. We used to be afraid of snakes. We used to be afraid of bad dogs. We used to be afraid of everything that came our way. But as we reached the adulthood, we began to get a little more confidence. We began to get a little bit more stronger. We didn't bend so easy. We didn't fall victim to the devil so easy. We began not to be afraid anymore. This is where God is trying to get us. He's trying to make us like David was. David, David was the one that says, Lord, I'll go. Is there anybody out there that says, the rest of them won't go, Lord, I will go. I will go and fight. Will you go this morning and fight on, on the behalf of the name of the Lord, or are you going to sit around and wait for someone else to go? Oh, God. We should use our past experiences to know if he delivered us back then, he would deliver us again. If God did it before, he'll do it again. If he delivered you from drug addiction, he'll do it again. If he delivered you from alcohol, he'll do it again. If he delivered you from lying, he'll do it again. Whatever. God has delivered you from, he will do it again. Why? Because he's God. He's God alone. He don't need no help from us. Sometimes people will set you off by anything. They're always complaining something is wrong with everybody and everything. These are the people that we come into contact with. Nothing seems to be right. Everything is going wrong. They are the people that are unhappy about everything. And the reason they're unhappy is because the devil has taken their joy. They've taken everything from them. But this morning you've got to realize that the joy that you had, the, lo- the world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. Sometimes you've got to have joy in the midst of your storm. You have to have joy in the midst of your trouble. You've got to have joy when nobody else has joy. Amen, amen. Nothing you do seems to please them. And if you're not careful, they will attack you as well. Sometimes we are so close with folk, we don't know that the devil is working through them. He's wreaking havoc in their lives. And I was always told that misery loves company. It's not that you're married with the people, but you're married with the spirit that's in them. Oh, this morning somebody needs to know that God is still God. We can face a great challenge in life when we realize that God has delivered you from your past. Has God delivered you from your past as he brought you a mighty long way. In spite of all the tricks, the obstacles that were set up to make you fall, in spite of all the 
temptation and all those things that were brought before you, you are still standing. He has delivered you from your past. How do you know that you're delivered? Well, you're delivered when you can go back and see the things that you used to do that you don't do them no more. That's when you know you're delivered. If you can't go back to the things that you used to do and not be bothered, that means you haven't been delivered. He can deliver you. He can deliver you from sin and temptation. You should be able to stand for God when you face wickedness and unrighteousness, when things appear right before us. And sometimes it can be tempting to us. Remember what we used to do. But as long as the God that we serve is in us and he's ministering to us and his spirit resides in us, we won't get pulled back in. We are able to withstand temptation. We are able to not to fall into sin. Sin is a big thing because the enemy makes it look like it's all good until you do it. And then once you do it, it's all bad. Oh, somebody, we need to call on the name of the Lord this morning and have him to come to fight our battles because if we don't, it's going to overtake us. It's going to take us under every test, every trial, every tribulation, make you stronger to face your job. If you're going through something right now, if you're dealing with something right now, it's building you up to make you stronger. Oh, sometimes you say, Lord, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Well, God is saying that I'm making you stronger because somewhere down the road, you're going to have to stand up to your enemy. You're going to have to stand up to the Goliath of the world, and you're going to have to rely on the word of God. You're going to have to rely on prayer. You're going to have to rely on knowing that God is able to bring you through this morning. Goliath may look big by eye, but he's small to God. He's big to us, but he's small to the Lord. You will be able to say God did it before. He will do it again. He will do it over and over and over and over again. He will make you into where you are steadfast and unmovable. The things that used to move you to the side, the things that used to cast you down into the pit on this morning, you don't have to deal with that anymore. The God that you serve is standing in your place, or he's going to defeat your giants on this day. He's, he's lining them up one by one right now. Cigarettes, they got to go. Drinking has got to go. These are the giants that the devil has set before you. Fornication has got to go. Lying, backstabbing, backbiting, all that are giants in your life that we face. We will be able to conquer our giants in life by our faith. Our faith has to be made strong. We have to stand together in faith. We have to be able 
to be stronger than we've been before. We have to be able to stand on the word of God. Sometimes when you build a house, the first thing you pour is the foundation. But our foundation should be the word of God. We should be able to stand on his word and believe that whatever he said is going to come to pass. By faith, we were able to stand for God. In the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation, we should be able to stand for God. He stands for us in our time of trouble. Now we have to stand for him and declare his word. We have to say, giants, you will not defeat me. Giants, you will not hang me back. We're speaking to the Goliath in your life this morning. We're speaking to the things that seem to overwhelm you this morning. We're telling it that they have no place here, that that you are a child of God, and that God is fighting for you. Amen. 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 Bless your name, Lord. Prayer is... uh, the line is open now. Is there anyone standing in need of prayer this morning for the giants that's in your life? Yes, give us a corporate prayer. Amen. Father, as we come this morning, Lord, Lord, we don't know the giants that people deal with. Father, we pray right now as a, as a whole, Lord, that you would step in, Lord, that you would remove the giants, Lord, that keep causing your people to fall back and not stand up. Lord, we know that there's Goliaths out there, but if we put our faith and our trust in you, Lord, we know you're able to make a way. We know you're able to bring us through, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word, Lord, that you have given us hope and courage that we're able to fight on. Oh, Lord, empower us right now, God that we won't just lay down by the roadside and let Satan have his way. Father, we ask right now, God, that you uh, remove them right now as we speak, Lord. You, you're sitting at Goliath to the side, and we're able to continue on. Father, we thank you this morning. We love you, and, yes, we do adore you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. And thank you, amen. Mr. Gray. We appreciate every time that you come on. Truly, it's a blessing. Amen. Amen. And that word was powerful. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless you. You listen to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast. Thank you so much.
you might be sick, body rocking with pain, but thank you, Lord, for bills are due. Don't know where the money coming from, but thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I want.
that we're being broadcast all over the world, radio and TV. We thank you for your support. We thank you for tuning in to us. We see our call numbers are going up each week. And I have been instructed by my pastor to give a special shout-out to Russia, to the pastor and his wife. Thank you for listening to us as well as Taiwan. We thank you. I understand the young lady listens to us every day on this uh, radio and TV station. She tuned in to us. We hope that we can visit Taiwan and just to give you a hug and say thank you so much for your support. Again, we want to give a shout-out to all our listeners and those who uh, we are connected with in Pakistan, Jamaica, Africa, as well as those that support the TV station. And also uh, my King service and Apostle uh, Archbishop Marcia. And I want to uh, say again, as I had said last week, I was able to fellowship at Carter Memorial Church here in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm going to support them again today. That's Carter Memorial Church on Popperton Street. Uh, we were able to, uh, last week we were in attendance with Bishop S. Younger. That's Bishop S. Younger. Uh, he just received that Stella Award, and we were at Carter Memorial. It's the 83rd church anniversary. It will be going on again today from 4 to 6 p.m. It has been um, initiated all week long, matter of fact, all month long, so last Sunday we were able uh, to enjoy the preach word. We want to bring it to you today. This is Bishop S. Younger. God bless you. Let us sit back and enjoy the word. And if you come out today from 4 to 6, you should hear more of that great preaching from Bishop Pierce at Carter Memorial Church. God bless you again. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry Broadcast. I'm your host, Apostle Margie Mercer, and let us listen. To Bishop Younger. Amen. Okay. I'm going to sing one of my CCM songs. I'm so glad I said, and I'm thanking you. Glad I got the Holy Ghost. All right. I want you to turn this monitor up. This is testimony service time. Right. Now, I don't want you to sing no lie. If you're glad you're saved in this evil day. He's been keeping me. He's been keeping me. 
I'm glad I got the Holy Ghost. Well, we're going to get ready. I want to give you what I hear the Lord saying tonight. I want you to go to your Bibles as quickly as you can. Whether it's in your Bible or your smart device, Exodus chapter 28, verse 31 to verse 35. Y'all going to help me preach tonight? Glory be to God. I do feel a boom in the room tonight. Somebody needs something from God tonight. Exodus chapter 28, verse 31 to verse 35. When you have it, I want you to say, I have the bread. I have the bread. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be a hole in the top of it and in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it as it were with the whole of the Habergeon, that it be not rent, as beneath upon the hem of it thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet, thank you so much, round about them thereof, and bales of gold between them round about, a golden bale and a pomegranate, a golden bale and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his son shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord. And when he cometh out, that he die not. I'm going to read verse 35 again. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, for him to serve. And his sound shall be heard. And all of God's people said amen. Before you sit down, I want you to scream this at your neighbor. You can sit down. Tell him, don't lose the sound. To be seated in the presence of the Lord. celebrate your anniversary, but I want to tell you, don't lose the sound. There's a sound to holiness. There's a sound to Pentecost. Scream at somebody on your own, tell them, don't lose it, don't lose it. Who do this? 
this anniversary, their faithfulness and commitment, we understand that they should be celebrated. Because we're living in an hour now that people can't serve in church without giving the church an invoice. It used to be a time when people volunteered. But people don't volunteer anymore. not always the same thing because it's possible to operate within the nuances of church culture. You can be a preacher that preaches from a Bible that no longer convicts you. Mm. It's got to be more for you than a check. Come on, somebody. I need you to look at somebody at your meeting and tell them, I still believe in this. No, no, when I say I believe in this, because I know intellectual and academic generation that brought everything into question, but I believe in it and I need all of it. I need the anointed oil. I need the tarry service. I need to run around the church. I need to fall out on the floor. I need Bible study. I still need Sunday school. Tell somebody, I need all of this because before you get so bougie to act like you don't need it, it was church that raised you. I know, I know you went to college and a university, but there's some skills that you got from church that people you went to school with never had. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, the church raised me. It was the church. It was church mothers that corrected me. Come on. It was my pastor that when my mother's voice wasn't strong enough, Bishop could say something. You call it cult when it was really culture.
praying for me. I feel my strength coming. Abraham said to his servants, stay here. Because we got a worship set. No, that's not what they that's not what he said. He said, stay here because we're going, me and my son are going up there to worship. It already tells me that in order to truly worship God, an ascension must take place. You can't run straight off the street and take me somewhere you ain't been all week. Come on. You got to ascend. We keep talking. We keep talking about God sending down, sending down. But let me tell you, in this hour, He's not sending something down. It's time for you to come up to it. Hey, it's time for you to. I need somebody to come and talk to me here. God, Zion is calling for us to ascend. I need you to look at the people on your tell them ascend, ascend. It's time for us to go higher. Hallelujah! God is requiring another place out of us. We keep shouting, "I'm going to another level," but another level is coming up out of you. But you got to ascend. You will never see an experience in God until you ascend. Let me just give you a reference for that, and I'll move really quickly. Peter, James, and John, come here. We're going to the mount. They go from the mount, what we call the mount of transfiguration. Why they're there? The Bible says, uh, while Peter, James, and John is there on the mountain, Elijah and Moses shows up. And they said, oh my goodness, Moses and Elijah. Oh my goodness, Moses and Elijah. The question is, how did they know it was oh, How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Peter, James, and John, hallelujah, they are born at a time where Moses has been dead for generations, and Elijah had been taken up in a chariot. So how did they know? There was no Facebook. Come on. There was no internet. How there were no pictures of Moses and Elijah? How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Because there are certain revelations that are released to you once you ascend. Some things don't have to be explained when you ascend. See, some people see us turning around in the spirit and quickening it. And look, what is that about? You can't, uh, this can't be explained. It's got to be revealed. And it's only revealed at higher altitudes. Stop coming down trying to explain spiritual things to carnal people. Stop bringing carnal people to board meetings making spiritual decisions. Stop looking at your carnal friends for a spiritual reference. Abraham says, y'all be here please.
you the child, and then you had to give the child back to God. Y'all not, hallelujah. He, told, he gave you the child, now he's requiring you to lay down the child for a purpose that's greater. You haven't worshipped God until you've been confused by God. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I said something totally awesome. At least 20 of you all know what I'm talking about. The rest of you just eavesdrop. Have you ever prayed for something and the thing that came to you was not what you prayed for? You haven't worshipped God until you worshipped Him in the midst of your questions. I need you to tell your neighbor, I don't understand God, but I worship Him. Job says, once everything is taken from him, 
He says, first of all, when he finds out that all of his children die in one day, this is a multiple casket funeral. He shaves his head. He rips his garment. In other words, he grieves. That's his humanity. And I think um, the church, along with our worship, we need to have some group sessions. No, really. No, last, last week, instead of Bible study, we had a group grief counseling session at our church. Because what we realize, we do praise well. And we rejoice with those who rejoice well. But we don't do good mourning with those who mourn. We need you to get over it as quickly as you can. Go back to serving so we'll feel better. Y'all not standing to me. And just because you got past it don't mean you got over it. And some of the stuff we're dealing with in church is unprocessed grief. I said some of the toxic things we're dealing with in church is because we haven't taken time to process our loss. Yes, they left the church, and we're glad they left, but you're not being honest about the fact is that you opened up your heart to people who trampled it again. The betrayal did not feel good. And now you're making new people pay for what old people did. And now when new people join the church, you clap your hands and welcome them to the church. But the real question in your mind is two questions. Who sent you and how long will you stay? Because we haven't processed grief well. Job shaves his head and he rips his garment. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you have permission to be human. Anytime we talk about the anatomy of Yeshua, the anatomy of Jesus, we put strong emphasis, especially us of, the, uh, of this apostolia, of this oneness movement, we put strong emphasis on the deity of Jesus, that he's fully God. But oftentimes, we don't acknowledge enough the fact that he's also fully man. That we don't serve a high priest. That have, come on, y'all talk to me. That haven't been touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Maybe we're not shouting over the right stuff. Maybe every once in a while, we need to praise God. Because after all the stuff I was going through, he didn't always rescue me out of it. But he sat with me in it. Mm. Y'all, that you felt your mind slipping and you were slipping back into depression and you were still serving. But while you were having your mini nervous breakdown in the front seat of your car, he sat with me in it. He didn't judge me by it. He didn't say you should trust me. He said, I sit with you until you catch your breath. I sit with you until you believe me again.
right now. The Lord give it. The Lord take it away, but I'm still going to bless you. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm still going to bless you. My foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, but I'm still going to bless you. Though you, I need a church here. Though you what? Though you slay it. Though you're killing me, God, yet will I trust you. You to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I've had to trust a silent God. Everybody, everybody can rejoice as long as he's talking. But if you ever walk with God more than 16 months, I know what it is for God to lure you in with the promise and drop you off into a process. For him to pull you in to an assignment and it seems like he goes ghost on you. And I come to tell somebody in this room, if you ain't heard God say nothing lately, I need you to run over to somebody and tell him, hold on to the last thing he said. I need you to get out of your seat, tell somebody, hold on to the last thing he said. Because if he hasn't said nothing different, that means he hasn't changed his mind. I need a hundred people to open up your mouth because you're holding on to what he said.
Pastor, will you come here? Will you come here, please? Because this is what I see the Lord is about to do for 72 people in this room. They will praise them tonight. God says, whatever's been on your back, he's about to put it under your feet. Just step out.
Because some of them got the experience of Pentecost. 
And God has always been intentional about how he wants to be worshipped. I'm so thankful for this liberty that we have. I mean, we have great liberty. If you say the church is too strict now, you have no idea. Church, because it's really not about that. 
find out about this. But we're seeing something that's happening. Where casual church is beginning to produce casualties. Oh, y'all just shut down on me now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Scoop of the I'll be coming back to Brazil soon because these people are about to fight me in here. Hear what I'm saying to you. It really has produced casualties. Until now, we prepare to come to church with the garments on that accentuates us and not God. How much snatching do you need? Oh. And I'm not just talking to the women. I'm talking about some men. Come on. How much, how much we got to turn away so we're not distracted? And now you're making sure that your outfit is cut low enough so we can read it. Do you walk in your freedom? But what about your assignment? Oh, what about your assignment? Well, this is my body. Really? The Bible says you've been bought with the price. And I beseech you, therefore, brother. If y'all help me preach, I'll move on. By the mercies of God that you present Yes, I am. 
them. I said, it's mighty funny that y'all keep telling, asking me, am I going to change? As I've been walking around here, people have to have their breast out. But then you want me to become something else. All I'm trying to do is get y'all to see it here. That's a sound that God put in your belly. And you're so busy trying to be a cheap counterfeit of what you think people want instead of being who God needs. wanted to be worshipped. Listen, I love going to Israel. I just got back from Israel. I'm taking another group in May. I'm going all the time. I go in December in my time of sabbatical just to pray and study with rabbis. But out of all of the places in Israel and around Jerusalem that really speak to me, uh, yes, the garden tomb is amazing. The western wall, you can feel the presence of the, of the Lord reverberating off of that wall. Really, you can. And you see the shuckling of the, of the Jewish men going back and forth praying and the bar mitzvahs in the street. You can feel all of that. Sea of Galilee is amazing. But I'm going to tell you what speaks to me the greatest. It's the southern temple steps. Hear me. The temple is no longer there. I hope I'm not long. I might be a little long with it. The temple is destroyed. You know, they have the temple mount where the mosque is there for the, for the Muslims. But the steps are still there. And somebody said, they said, what's so significant about the Southern Temple steps? These would have been the entry steps to the Holy Temple. These are the same steps that Yeshua, Jesus, and his disciples would have walked up. So every time I go to Jerusalem, I just start stepping on the steps. And I'm like, I wonder did he step again? in the Bible, which you call Psalms of Ascension. I was glad when they said unto me, these are Psalms of Ascension. These are songs they sung while they were climbing. While they were coming to Jerusalem and finally getting there, they would walk for so many steps and start singing the Psalms of Ascension. Now, as you see these wonderful made steps here in Carter Memorial, when I walk down these steps, I walk down and up these steps without looking. But you can't do that at the Southern Temple steps because the Southern Temple steps are uneven. So, intentionally, the rabbi says they made the steps uneven. Come here, come here, come here. 
Let me put this breastplate on you. This breastplate had 12 precious stones. Because there was one stone that represented Asher. Another one that represented Benjamin. Another represented Dan. Ephraim and Manasseh. Judah, Zebulon, Nathalie, Ithacar. He could have made them rock, but he made them gems. Because he was communicating to the preacher that my people are precious to me. And I'm tired of a generation of social media preachers that are trying to be shepherds and pastors and don't have the fragrance of sheep. You want to be a pastor and you ain't never been a greeter. You don't hear what I'm saying. You're trying to be a lord over people you ain't never served with. He said, my people are precious. And that's why I don't let in and everybody come and preach to my people. Because these, uh-oh, y'all, I don't care how fancy they are. I don't care how popular they are. And I don't care how much money they raise. I am responsible for who lays hands. Oh, that's why you call, come on, Carter. You better think, God, you got a pastor that everything going to run through here. He said, let me put this hat on you. This mitre. And it's an inscription on the minor that says, Holiness unto the Lord. So you see, even to this day, Orthodox Jews still wear kippers upon their head. Some Sabbath-keeping believers, they wear kippers upon their head. Because it said that a man will never rob a store with a kippa on his head. Because the kippa is forever keeping him reminded that he's under the auspice of an open heaven. And the watchful eye of God. That's right. And then in this scripture today, <laughs> he says, make a space priest on the bottom in the skirt of your ephod. Pomegranate. tells me about worship in the Old Testament is bloody and noisy.
And as long as you heard the sound of pomegranate, you knew the sacrifice was accepted. But now we're not listening to the sound. When I said don't lose the sound, that means don't get to the place that we've done church and we're so accustomed to doing church that we forgot that there's no sound. I don't care how many people applaud you. It's God approving. There's a story about this professional musician that was on the stage and he was performing. And after he finished performing, everybody began to jump and say, encore, encore. He went off the stage and he was behind the stage. And the stage manager said, you did good. He said, no, I didn't. He said, no, you did good. Don't you hear the noise of the crowd? He said, no, I didn't do good. He said, why you said that? He said, because there's a man sitting on the he said, man, how are you going to let one man sitting determine that you didn't do good? He says, because that one man is my instructor. And some of us are getting intoxicated with the applause of the wrong crowd. My God. It's not important to me that I be everybody's popular preacher. It's important to me